0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We share our stories to encourage and equip each other to live out our faith in Jesus. We are so glad you're here. Hi, I'm Kathy Harrelson. For this episode, I sat down with my friends and colleagues, Kristen Hoff and Camille Adams, for a crucial conversation about guilt. In our discussion, We talk about the lies hiding underneath our false guilt, as well as what Jesus has done for our real guilt. There are many moments in our lives we would have never believed we could have confidence in the face of our guilt, but Jesus gives us that. Here's our conversation.
1: Welcome to the Encouraged and Equipped podcast. Um, We hope that through this podcast, women feel equipped and encouraged to have practical tools to live out their faith daily. Um, So in general, as women, we feel equipped... or not I feel equipped, I think we lean heavily on our emotions, and it's kind of our emotions that guide us through our daily lives and as we walk. Um, and one of those emotions I'd like to talk to you about today or talk with y'all about, I guess, today is guilt. Um, guilt is something I think that weighs heavily on a lot of us as women, and it can be something that really interferes with however you react Um and interact with the Lord, um, with our families, and just all of those that are around us. Um, I think it's important to point out that there are two different kinds of guilt that we're going to focus on today, Um, one of those being false guilt. That false guilt is guilt that we've kind of put on ourselves. So that is either from some kind of sin that we have already been forgiven for, that we've decided to hold on to and carry along with us, Um, or it is us... Um, I guess, in this essence, adding to what God has called us to do. So by making those lists, by checking boxes, by really trying to do works instead of live by faith. Um, The second type of guilt would be healthy guilt. That healthy guilt is guilt... where we actually have the Holy Spirit probably talking to us and telling us, hey, you actually have done something wrong that you should be guilty of. Um, And that leads us back to confession and those type of things. So those are those two types of guilt that I think we can discuss and look at today today. The best part of it is, is while we live in a fallen world, we have been given a Savior. And Jesus, that has promised to come along beside us, He's taken that burden for us um, so that we don't have to be the ones that carry it, and He carries it for us. So I want to make sure we have that hope in mind as we talk through these things. Um, So with me, I have today Kathy Harrelson um, and Camille Adams, and then myself, I'm Kristen Hoff, and I just would love to talk to y'all about how y'all have dealt with guilt in your lives, um, and then just how you've processed it and worked through it as well. Um, So ladies, if you don't mind, um, let's just talk about it. Um, Camille, do you want to go first? Or Kathy, let's start with you.
0: Sure. Yeah. I um, definitely have wrestled with guilt a lot. I'm a perfectionist and so see a lot of things that I wish I had done differently or done wrong. And especially growing up, when I began to try to understand what to do with my guilt— it almost felt like a test to me. Like when you're in school, you know, if you get these things right, you get this many points. And if you get something wrong, then you lose this many points. And then you get a grade on a test and you know from your teachers and your parents, what's a good grade and what's a bad grade and kind of when you've passed and when you have failed. The problem with my guilt was I didn't know how many points I lost for what I did wrong. And I didn't know how many points I got for what I did right. And I didn't even know what an acceptable score was. Come to find out, basically anything but 100 is not okay. (laughs) And I definitely did not make 100. And so for me, I thought, what do I do with this guilt? And so even, I even remember having a panic attack in church, partially because I didn't know what to do with this guilt, my real guilt or my false guilt. And so for me, hearing... And knowing that Jesus took all of my guilt on the cross, all of it, and he earned a perfect score and gave that perfect score to me was far more freeing than I can ever communicate. And so even still today, knowing that my guilt was a hundred percent paid for because Jesus took the punishment for that on the cross is totally life-changing and brings me so much freedom and so much joy.
2: Yeah, My most impactful experience with guilt was when I was late in my teenage years. I had a really limited view of God. I knew that there was some truth in the Bible about God loving us and that He was holy, um, but I also knew that I wasn't perfect. And so... I didn't have an understanding of my need for a Savior because I was already feeling pretty distant from God, and I didn't really know that Jesus' mercy and sacrifice was actually for me. Um, So I tried to kind of fill my life with these things that I thought were going to satisfy me and thought were going to make me feel better, but all they were doing in reality was pulling me further away from a God that I knew loved me and I knew was holy, Um, So they were really just this big distraction, and I had this tremendous feeling of guilt because I knew the things that I was doing and the things that I was trying to put in my heart were wrong. They were not good things, and I knew I was distant from the Lord. Um, So I felt that guilt, and I partnered it with that shame as well. I didn't really want people to know that I was dealing with that feeling of guilt because— Who wants to share that with somebody, first of all? Um, But I let that feeling of guilt sink further in and let those distractions pull me further away. And I was right to feel guilty about that, especially at that time, because I didn't know the Lord. I didn't really understand that that was my sin that was causing that feeling of guilt and shame. Um, So it was right for me to feel guilty because I was standing in the place of a person who was condemned because of my sin. Um, And I am so, so grateful that the Holy Spirit convicted me of that, because without that conviction and without feeling that tremendous feeling of guilt, I would never have known the freedom that comes in knowing Jesus and knowing that He declared me righteous and forgiven um, in His grace. So I'm really grateful that I got to walk through that season, although it was pretty horrible at the time.
1: (laughs) Better now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually can identify with both of y'all, and I know I've struggled with um, similar things throughout my lifetime. Right now where I feel I think my most guilt is just through balance. So how much time do I spend with the Lord? How much time do I spend with my husband being a good wife? How much time do I spend with my kids being a good mom? And I've ended up, I think, in my mind creating these lists. So like, in order to be perfect for what the Lord needs. I need to do all of these things. Am I spending enough time in prayer? Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I studying my Bible enough? Am I, you know, all of these things. And then to be a good wife, do I, you know, give him enough attention? Do I cook dinner the right way every night? Just all of these things. And then for my kids, as I drive them around to all of the places, because they seem to take up the most time, Mm -hmm. how many of these things am I checking off for them? Um, And the struggle is, is with all of these various lists, I can only be one good thing at a time. So am I a good wife today or am I a good mom today? Um, And that never works. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's having to, first of all, get rid of my lists because they do nothing but weigh me down and make me feel inadequate. But instead, it's going back and being, okay, I need to remember that I am God's creation first. I am His daughter. And if I focus all of my attention on Him, where I am spending my time resting in him and relaxing in him and just allowing him to take that on, then naturally I become a better wife because I am more at peace and have more joy. I'm a better mom because I don't react first in anger. Instead, I react the way that I should. Um, And so it is amazing how when you do put that focus in the right spot, I can lose that guilt of the other two because they just kind of naturally fall into place. Mm
0: You know, Kristen, I love the fact that you brought up kind of the two kinds of guilt, false guilt, and because uh, I wrestle with false guilt a lot. And a couple of different things popped into my mind when you said that. One is I have a tendency after I leave a situation to look back and think, well, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Almost over And to be honest, sometimes I have done the wrong thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do need to ask for forgiveness. And uh, I'll ask the Holy Spirit, hey, did I do something wrong? And if He convicts me and I've done something wrong, I absolutely need to ask for forgiveness. But sometimes, especially I found if my brain kind of starts to spiral and I can't pull myself out of it, I'm like, okay, that's probably false guilt trying to trick me. And yeah. so I have to be really careful with that. And then the second thing I kind of laugh at now, but it was well-meaning. Like when you kind of first came to Christ, I really wanted to be godly. I really wanted to do the right things. And so you learn that primarily from the Bible, but also from watching other believers. So I would hear something that any godly believer did, and I would think, I probably need to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if uh-huh. if someone prayed a certain way or had a certain way they did their prayer time, I'd think, I probably need to do that. Well, after you get 400 different ways to pray, you realize that is not reasonable for me to pray (laughs) exactly like (laughs) everyone else. Or someone is in this job really working for renewal and honoring the Lord in that career. And I'm like, well, I can't do all the jobs or be a missionary to all the countries. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it's great to learn from people's example. And maybe that's a specific thing that the Lord does want me to step into. But by and large, I cannot, and I'm not supposed to do everything like everyone else. I can't do everything Kristen does. I can't do everything Camille does. And so for me to feel guilty for what you are specifically called to do doesn't make any sense. Okay. And so resting in who God has called and created me to be and trying to honor the Lord in what I do that He's asking me to do has been something that I've really had to work on and learn, but it's made a, a big difference. Yeah.
1: Well, and that is the problem with false guilt. What false guilt does is that is the enemy sitting in our head whispering to you, you're not enough, you're not adequate. And it causes all of this fear and anxiety. And so you end up getting wrapped up in all of this emotion that just, it really is. It's that burden that's weighed on you and it feels heavy and it's hard. And um, yeah, it's just not great for us to live that way. <laughs> but, it's horrible. And then... So it is. It's going back to the Lord and remembering, like, hey, I am adequate because you made me adequate. You are my creator. You are who lovingly made me and made me this person. And you came and you took that from me. So I need to let you have it. Um, yeah, I love that. That's great. I also think we need to touch on this healthy guilt too, because, you know, there are times when. It's the enemy whispering in our ears. But the other time, it's the Holy Spirit talking to us instead. Mm -hmm. And He's saying, "Um, hey, you really shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have used those harsh words. You shouldn't have talked that way or treated that person that way. Um, And it's important for us to lean into that and to listen to the Holy Spirit's guiding and say, okay, hey, how do I deal with this? Um, And I love, Camille, you really talked about this a lot when you spoke. So how did um, you—I guess— how did you wrestle with that, and what made you realize that it was your sin that was causing your guilt? And How did you walk that path and follow behind the Lord mm-hmm. that you learned how to, I guess, deal with it, Yeah, work through it?
2: Um, I am just so blown away by the fact that the Lord revealed it to me in the first place because He didn't have to, but He did, and it was so good that He did. So before I knew Christ and I was walking in that disobedience, I kind of married that guilt with shame and just really tried to hide it below. And thank you, Lord, that you saved me from that. And thanks to the Holy Spirit that he convicted me and showed me that he knew. That was the big thing, was that I kept thinking I could hide that guilt or that shame or that sin from a God who knows everything. But of course, now I know, and Scripture tells us that he knows us deeply, and he desires to know us deeply. So when I recognize that the Lord knew my sin, and he still knows it today because I still have sin that I struggle with— um, I recognize that he knew it and made a plan for it ahead of time. And so I can trust that truth that he knew I was going to be sinful and he knew that he would perfectly meet that need in Jesus Christ and that I didn't have to do a thing to earn it. Um, so not only is my guilt and shame washed away because of Christ's blood, but also I don't have to carry the burden of trying to fix it on my own, which is the best news, but mm-hmm. um, But it's so interesting to me that now, years later, decades later, um, I still find myself struggling with this idea that when I am convicted and I feel guilty, uh, rightly guilty, about my sin, I still want to hide it. I don't really want to share it with somebody else, and sometimes I'm really reluctant to share it with the Lord because... I know it's wrong, and I know the sin that I'm holding on to is wrong, Um, but that doesn't give me that freedom to come to the Lord and really be known by Him because He desires that closeness with us and that intimacy. And the more that I try and hide or be reluctant to deal with it, the further away I feel that distance again. Um, So it's a continual battle of reminding myself that I've been declared not guilty by Christ, and I don't have to walk in that. Um, and I preach that truth to myself that I am declared not guilty. I'm declared righteous in those moments when I'm doubting it or that I've forgotten it. Um, and I remind myself, he still knows my sin. <laughs> I haven't gotten any better at hiding it. So he knows, and it's good that he knows. Yes, he does. Well,
1: and you know, one thing that reminds me of was um, that Paul used this verse in Romans where he talks about, um, I do all of the things that I don't want to do instead of all of the things that I should do, and just the fact that he wrestles with his obedience and doing the things that he knows he's called to do by the Lord. Um, and that has always been encouraging to me, because if someone like Paul can wrestle with, do I do the things I'm supposed to, and do I not do? And so he constantly wrestled with that sin, Um and I just think how gracious is our God that He uses us as that are fallible people to walk this path and walk through and be His hands and feet, all while still knowing that we're not great at always being obedient. Right. And that's the best part about Christ as our Savior is He comes and He takes that guilt. He takes that shame and that sin away from us so that we don't have to have that be a barrier for us. Right. Um The other thing I think is, you know, we were talking about false guilt earlier, and that, to me, can also stem from being people pleasers. Um, a lot of women are people pleasers. I am most definitely probably a people pleaser. Um, so when it comes down to it, like, what is my heart? And I think this can go back and forth with both types of guilt, but for, what is my heart in this matter? Like, is my heart in pleasing the Lord, or is my heart in pleasing man or, some,
0: or myself, mm. um, for that matter, yeah. I love, Kristen, that you brought both of those things up. First, like, Paul's wrestling with wanting to not sin but still sinning. I certainly wrestle with that. And I genuinely would like to sin less than I do. (laughs) And understanding, like, what's really going on in my heart, what's really going on in my motives has been really helpful for me to hopefully get to the root of why I'm doing what I'm doing so that I can apply the right truth and hopefully actually sin less? Like you talked about for different motives, like maybe I've said something unkind. Well, did I say something unkind because I was trying to please somebody in the room, because I was trying to be super competent or successful, or just because I was prideful? Like, why did I sin? Because then hopefully I can get to the root of the problem and Mm -hmm. maybe kind of deal with that so I sin less. Like for me, often I find that I wrestle with not feeling safe or secure. And when you do that, you can be very defensive or do things that are not honoring to the Lord. And so I often, after I've done something, will, or hopefully in the moment, sometimes say, okay, Lord, like remind me I am safe and secure in you. And Psalm 27.1 is something I think about a lot. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? And when I rest in that safety and security, I'm less likely to say something unkind or do something I shouldn't do because I feel safe in the Lord. So that's something that I try to do is figure out what's really going on in my heart so I can deal with it and hopefully um, sin less um, as I move forward. Yeah.
1: Well, I love that, like getting to the heart of the issue. Um, If we think about it, like physically. If we were to go into a doctor's office with this infection, they're not going to just like slap a Band-Aid on it and call it good and send you home. They're going to figure out, hey, what caused this and get to the bottom of it and let's treat this and let's make it better. But instead, oftentimes, that's what we do. We're like, oh, I said bad words to my kids and I was mean, so I just need to be nicer. Well, that doesn't really work when we get to the heart of it and we look at our heart. So was it because... I was angry with my kids because I did something wrong? Or was it because they interfered with what I wanted to do and made me uncomfortable? Did they mess with my schedule? Whatever it is, let's get to the heart of it and figure out what the root is. And then we will be able to solve the small problems. Fix the big problem first and then go to the smaller.
2: Mm -hmm. I know for me, when I am in sin, or especially like repeated sin, I struggle with that, like I said, wanting to hide it away. But really what I'm thinking about in those moments is, Kathy, you touched on it, it's that fear. I'm focusing on the fear of that I failed, or I fear that there's going to be consequences to my sin that I'm not going to like, or I'm fearing the judgment of others. Um, And and In reality, I know logically I'm forgiven in Christ, but that cost of hurting somebody else or the cost of my pride is really the thing that I'm struggling with letting go of. So when I avoid that repentance— For instance, if I know I've been harsh with my kids, I know it's a wrong thing, but I don't want to look at it and recognize it because A, I've hurt their feelings. And that's tough when you see somebody you love hurting. And B, I have to recognize that I am not a perfect mom, nor will I ever be. Um, So making those repairs to those relationships can be hard sometimes. And that sometimes is one of the things that keeps me from really digging into that conviction and repentance. So when I feel that old like guilt come along, it helps for me to take a moment, take a breath, and recognize that this is good repentance. It's a good conviction. Um, And I can name my sin to the Lord. I can call it out to Him. He already knows it. He's already made a plan to forgive it. And then I can move forward knowing that he's forgiven me. In Romans 8.1, it tells us there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I get to claim that and preach it to myself over and over again and recognize that I get to move forward in obedience. I don't have to hold on to that shame. I don't have to hold on to any guilt of it because he's already declared it done and taken care of. And that gives me that freedom to move forward and say, Oh, I know I hurt your feelings. It was wrong for me to do that. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And also, first to the Lord to say, Lord, you created that person and I was rude to him. Please forgive me. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing that we get to have that
0: conviction. Yes. I love that you use the phrase, Camille, good conviction, <laughs> because I used to be terrified. And not that I enjoy per se now the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but it used to make me feel like, oh, God's mad at me or hates me or whatever it is. And a friend one time said something that was so transformative for me. She said, you know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a good thing. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what? And she was like, it means that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and you're hearing Him, and He wants you to not feel dragged down and miserable and get caught in that sin. And I have totally changed my perspective and see the conviction of the Holy Spirit as God's kindness to me. What a kindness that He would love me enough to say, hey, Kathy, like you are not doing right here. And I love you enough that I don't want you to be miserable. I don't want you to get stuck in that. I want you to honor me. I want you to enjoy me. Hey, you need to work on this. You need to ask forgiveness for this. And then I don't have to feel that distance and feel that guilt anymore because Christ has forgiven me. And so is I'm not saying I look forward to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in one I, sense. <laughs> that would not be true. But in a sense, I do because yeah. it's God's kindness to me to bring me more joy and freedom. And I just think, how great is the Lord mm-hmm. and kind of Him to point out my sins so I can experience forgiveness. Yeah, that's
2: good. I, I love that we also get to see that kindness of the Lord in other people in our lives as well. Um, I have this incredible honor of being able to walk alongside my two best friends, Kristen and Aaron, who hold me accountable um, for things that I'm struggling with. And they look into my life, and they're able to hold up truth to me and help me deal with the things that I'm struggling with. Um, so honestly, in those moments where we come together and I'm able to share with them something, I am met with grace instead of judgment and truth that moves me toward repentance um, and what a, what a gift that is to me. Um, for instance, they might come over and I might have to tell them, I yelled at my child right before you got here. And what a horrible thing for me to have to tell somebody when they come in, especially since that child just made them a wonderful latte for them to enjoy while they're over at our house. Um, but instead of them coming toward me and saying, how could you? How could you yell at that child? They know. Because they're also human. They're also walking in the same things that I am. Um, So it's good news that we get to be part of that for each other. Um, And it's difficult sometimes to walk that road, but when we have a partner with us, somebody that's committed to us and willing to say, let's take this to the Lord. Let's look at why were you yelling? Why are you angry? What does that say to the Lord about? Who he's created you to be let's look at truth that tells us about how god loves us deeply and also he knows our sin and they can walk me through that path to repentance time and time again and in a humble attitude so that i get to walk along with them and things that they're dealing with as well um so it's great when i'm met with that grace and they don't shine a light on my sin in the sense of making me feel guilty about it they're recognizing that yes God made a way, and let's look at that together and let's walk in obedience together and let's continue this path um, of focusing our hearts on the gospel and seeing how the Lord can meet us and walk us through that.
1: Yes, I love that. I love the idea of the grace and mercy that God pours out on top of us. You know, when we look back, you know, we talked about Paul just a second ago and how he struggled with that, and to be an icon of faith like that and yet know that God's still used him to do such great things is amazing. Um, but to have someone to walk along beside you and remind you of that, like, hey, don't forget, you're not the only one walking through this. That is the whole reason that God created the church. Mm-hmm. He created us for community and fellowship with one another. And to have that mentor or someone who can walk beside you and point you back to Jesus, um, I mean, that is amazing. That's the best help that we could even possibly imagine having.
0: Yeah. It is such a gift, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I know that part of what's been helpful for me and friends have encouraged me in this is to um, act consistent with what I know to be true, even if I don't feel it quite yet mm-hmm. if i've the spirit has convicted me of something and I've asked for forgiveness to actually um, take that step and ask for it instead of just feeling guilty like go to the Lord and say, "Lord, will you forgive me?" which mm-hmm. I know that he will, whether it's something I perceive to be small or whether it's something that I perceive to be big. like take this step and ask for forgiveness. And then, if I've done that, like, then live like God's forgiven me. Like that doesn't mean I deserve that forgiveness, but he's given it to me. And sometimes I have a tendency to feel like I need to like spend some time and internal penance or something I don't know to like yes. earn God's love back which is not consistent with what Christ did on the cross and that can be again for something big or small like Jesus took it all and if I've wronged someone take this step to ask for forgiveness and if I've someone has wronged me and I've forgiven them well then, Treat them like you've forgiven them instead of like they're in the emotional dog shed. And that doesn't mean it's easy all the time, but I need to act consistent with what is true because that is, number one, what is true. And number two is really helpful for me to really internalize it and feel it if I act consistent with what is true.
1: Right. Yeah. Um
0: yeah, I mean, because when
1: we carry the sin, whether it's our own sin or we carry someone else's sin behind us, just that weight in and of itself, that's what's adding to our guilt. That's making us heavy. It makes it hard to deal with different things through life, um, and it's not healthy. And again, I love the way that you worded that. It's not letting Jesus do what he came to do. It's holding some of it to ourselves and not releasing it into him. Um I think it's important to remember, too, I keep going back to Romans, but Romans is great for great instruction like this, but remembering that we are all sinners. Um, There's not one of us that has led a perfect life. We are all sinners that are condemned to death. However, He came and took that burden from us, and we need to let Him have it and hand it back over to Him.
2: Mm, I love that. One thing I want to say is that accountability should always be cultivated, and that trust and vulnerability should be earned. Um, As knowing that we're all sinners, like, it's never my place to sit in a seat of judgment with another person who's dealing with guilt or shame, because I, like them, am sitting in that same seat. The first truth is that we're all sinners, and the second truth is that God is holy, And we are we're right to be humble before him. So I envision myself sitting in this literally the same seats, like you and I are sitting here in these seats right now, and God is here with us and he is holy. So we get to be here together, worshiping him in that vulnerable sense. And a real practical step that I have to remind myself of is to work on being somebody who can hear a hard thing and Make my face be a normal face and not a face of judgment. Um, so, if somebody comes to me with a hard thing, I want to I want to express grace to them, not only with my words but with my countenance, um, and be a person that earns that trust and cultivates that relationship with them. In reality, I'm probably not going to react in such a in such a way because I'm not at all shocked by their sin, and I'm not at all shocked or disgusted by it because. I know that I'm dealing with it too. So there's not a real reason for me to react in judgment in that sense. Um, And then another thing is to um, really allow time. uh, For myself, when I'm talking with a close friend about sin, or really when I'm talking with the Lord about my sin, I want to allow time to speak those words that are hard, to give myself a moment to really let the feeling come of, "I, I feel really sad about this, or I know this is a really hard thing for me to say to you. And to let that be a moment where that washes over and breathe and work through those emotions that come along with it. And then to move forward and letting the Lord repair any damage that has been done. Um, Because I think there's something really sweet in that moment of waiting and letting the Lord do the work that he's going to do. Um, And the minute that I try and step in and rush it, I'm not allowing him to do it. I'm trying to control it. Then I had to start back at the beginning. So it's good to allow that time um, and remember that God is a God of reconciliation, and He desires not only that we would come to Him with our sin and we can be reconciled that way, but that we can go to other believers and be reconciled there as well. He delights in that work.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, And I'm going to keep going back to Paul because I think he's Mm -hmm. a great example. (laughs) But you know he wrote several different letters to several different churches, and he would always open with, I think, the good things that they've done. Let me encourage you. Here's what you've done well. And then he would close the letters in the same way. Like, And he would call people out by their names, like, hey, tell so-and-so they did this great. Tell so-and-so they did this great. Um, but in the middle, he never hesitated to tell them every single last thing that they did wrong and how to <laughs> fix it. Um, and I love that. And so if we can walk along each other, Beside each other and do that every day, or you know, however we can, let's encourage each other. Hey, Kathy, you did this well, um, but I'm also going to tell you what you didn't do so well, and that way we can walk together and we can work through it and we can fix it, um, and we can lean into the Lord for Him to fix it. Actually, I guess is a better way to say it. And that is a picture of the church. That is the community that He gave us. Um, and I think that in and of itself is the best gift that we can have. Um, And probably one of our best resources to combat our guilt is to walk alongside someone and have them help us determine, okay, hey, this is what you're probably dealing with or this is what it looks like you're doing. Um, And they can help lift us up and work through that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we kind of talked a little bit about how to combat our guilt. Um, We've discussed a few things that I think are great and awesome. Um, The first thing, I think it is important for us to make sure we examine our hearts. Um, Let's figure out why we're feeling guilty. Is it false guilt? Is it healthy guilt? and then if it is that healthy guilt, what is the Holy Spirit trying to convict us of? What is He pointing us towards? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think once we've identified that and identified that sin, we need to make sure that we confess, because part of confession is um, handing it off and getting rid of it, which we don't need to carry that burden with us and keep dragging it behind us, because that only makes it he- uh, heavy and hard to deal with later. Um I love the idea that y'all mentioned both of having a mentor, someone that can speak truth into our lives, someone that can speak love into our lives, um, and just point us back to Christ and all of the great things that He's done for us. Um, And I also think in the case of false guilt, it's great to go back and examine just our hearts and our minds and just realign our priorities. I think, again, going back to the person of Christ, and who He is, and just the wonderful things that God's given us, um, and relying on that first, everything else seems to kind of fall into place. Um, so I would love to close this up with Scripture. Um, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the Word God gave us, and just give me some Scriptures that y'all have felt encouraged by, things that you go back to when you're feeling guilty or you feel that weight of guilt on you. Um and just share maybe why
0: it's so meaningful as well. Kathy? Yeah. Um, Romans 5.1 is one for me that says, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And every one of those words I love, justified by faith, not by what I do, not by taking a test that I've already failed. And peace, what a gift that I can experience Peace about my guilt, the real guilt that I have, the separation I have from God because of it, I can experience peace. And through the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus purchased my forgiveness, He paid for my sin. He is the one that has given me peace. And I am so grateful for that.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And what good news that is, that God declares us free. There's no more condemnation, and we get to move forward in that freedom. I was dead. I was completely dead in my sin, and there was no way I was getting out of that pit on my own. That he made me alive in christ, um and that newness of life, I get to walk in freedom, I get to walk in the light of that um and it's not a duty or an obligation, but a joy that we get to worship first of all worship a God and give him thanks for that, um but also we get to move forward and in, in becoming more like his son jesus it's it's good it's good news, yeah,
0: yes.
1: Yeah, I think it's hilarious that y'all both picked a verse from Romans, um, and I'm going to deviate from that. I did <laughs> not. not. <in> Romans? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You've um, talked
0: about Paul the whole time. <laughs> I have.
1: So I uh, picked Psalms 143.10. It says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Mm. Um, and that's what I always need to go back to. I need to go back to and rely upon the Lord so that He will be the one that leads Um, and not me trying to drag Him behind me because that's not the way that works. I need to follow Him and follow His example. And that makes my feet go on the right path so that it all works. So that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, for coming in and talking about this really fun subject of guilt. Um, We all need to examine ourselves probably a little bit more, um, but I would love to just close this in a quick prayer, and then we can go about our day. Great. Um, Dear Gracious Father, just thank you for who you are and how you love us. Thank you for um, having a plan all along, for sending us your Son in Jesus, and just for sending him to take away all of our sins on the cross. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be your children and to follow you um, and just to lean into your grace and your mercy always. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.